Okay, so I just built this, or I assembled this furniture, and I feel this unique sense of accomplishment because I've been living in the same place for a little while, and I haven't refreshed my furniture in a while. Like, I guess, Alex, do you feel that same sort of, <laughs> that it's like a very tiny little piece of pride from doing like a little household project? Even if it's rearranging old furniture, putting in new furniture, it feels like taking a shower. Like, I'm just, I, I see the world with new eyes, and it does help my productivity mm -hmm. quite a bit. It's so weird. Like I've been thinking lately, it's every so many of the days are exactly the same. I'm trying to think of a way that I can refresh, and I think swapping out some furniture, rearranging stuff is probably the best I can do right now. But now I'm uh, now I'm super right excited now. about it. You guys, <laughs> I'm really excited about furniture. And Sean got a cat. It's uh, that'll break it up too. You should get a cat next, Edwin. It's time for you to get a cat. Oh, that would be amazing. Or like maybe I can split the difference to get some cat furniture. <laughs> Shout out to Cat Bus. That would be uh, uh that would be the beginning of a descent into madness. <laughs> out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly. If your business paper needs or Dunder Mifflin, the people versus paper people. Dunder Mifflin, the people versus paper people. Dunder Mifflin, the people versus paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and ex-fiance, Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin Jane's employer of the bride. <laughs> and with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse and officiant of my wedding, Mr. Alex Ward. Nobody ever helped me. I had to do it myself. <laughs> Even the doctor didn't know. <laughs> okay, ready man, keep it together. Get ready for some Uncle Al drops this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Celtics were a great it. team. <laughs> uh, Mindy Kaling once said, there's nothing inherently funny about two people very much in love getting married. Every week we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. This week we're talking about weddings. Um, and uh, Wedi later Weddings in the, in, the, we in the office. Weddings well, in the office, yes. Uh, yeah, just, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> Weddings in general in the office. Um, and, uh, and later in the episode, we're going to have a conference room um, provided by a listener, Josh, and trivia by a listener, Amanda. A quick reminder that you can support this show by becoming a Scots Tot on Patreon for five bucks a month. Um, and we got some exciting news, too. Uh, yeah, well, we announced this last episode, but we have uh, we've we've been like getting some money through Patreon, people donating the show. It's covering the cost of doing their show, which is great. But we've decided to take the rest of that money after we do the cost of the show and donate that every single month to organizations that fund educations and scholarships for minority students. So right now, this month, we're doing the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Um, but yeah, like we said last week, we're open to suggestions for where that money goes every month going forward. And we, we really like this idea because now this show that we do, um, and especially the exclusive podcast that you get when you become a Patreon member called Scott's Tots, uh, where we do mailbag episodes every month, um, we can actually spend the money that we make on this show and go towards the thing that Michael Scott was initially trying to do <laughs> uh, and would failed yeah. at doing. And so we wanted to just yeah. like actually have the show 
maybe start to do some of that and take that money that we get and and funnel it that way. So we're pretty excited about that. So it's just another incentive to support our show and know where that money's going. It's a strange flip as a viewer and a fan of the show to join Scott's Tusk to be supporting uh, <laughs> college tuition scholarship funds. Um, we are bringing back to life the Michael Scott Foundation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're going totally carbon neutral. Yeah. <laughs> Limo lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, but anyways, let's get into today's episode. I'm so excited. Uh, today we're talking about weddings. Um, a couple of people have su- <laughs> a couple of people have suggested this as a topic because we did do the Niagara episode already, Jim and Pam's wedding. But there's so many more um, things to talk about. We got Phyllis's wedding. We've got uh, you know pr- propo- several proposals in the show. Um, Dwight and Angela's. Uh, um, almost a trick wedding in the surplus. You got uh, Roy's wedding. And of course the finale, Dwight and Angela's wedding. For this particular episode, we're going to talk more about what a wedding sort of means to the office and how the show uses it as a narrative device versus focusing on individual weddings. As, as Sean said, we did an episode on Niagara. I'm sure at some point we'll do an episode on the finale, of course, and then probably an episode on Phyllis's wedding. That's one of my personal favorite episodes. So <laughs> uh, I think it's less about focusing on the individual weddings and more about what, that sort of event and construct and dynamic does for the show and the characters. I went back, I watched, I rewatched Roy's wedding. I rewatched Phyllis's wedding parts of the finale. And, but I did not get to the surplus. Um, see the, all, the, <laughs> Technically still a wedding on the show. Uh, you know, the, the minister was Mennonite, a German Mennonite. Um, uh, although born <laughs> only minutes from here, he speaks only German. Uh, <laughs> That's probably the most that's we could start there. That's the most low key wedding uh, that is used purely as a device by Dwight to uh, one up Andy yet again. Definitely. And as we go here to, you know, Edwin and I were talking about it last night. We kind of want to talk about, you know, what does a wedding mean for the office? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it got me thinking, too, about uh, again, uh, I'll plug another podcast that I've been really enjoying uh, is the An Oral History of the Office by Brian Baumgartner. Um, his uh, he mentioned on his show that uh, you know Greg Daniels were was able to convince um, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant to give him the show, kind of because of his under he that he understood that the show is more about the Jim and Pam love story than it is about the crazy boss. So if, if, if you think about that and think about all these episodes and all these relationships, I think it's, I think it's, it's really important to the heart of the show. Yeah. I mean, I guess to kind of continue off that thread, I think Greg Daniels, I don't remember uh, which character he, or which actor he told this to, or which figure within the show he told this to, but it was like the British, he wanted the U S version to be like the British version, but with 10% more hope. And Mm -hmm. I think hope is an interesting concept to kind of apply to this because we think about Jim and uh, at the beginning of the show when Pam is engaged to Roy and Jim is kind of hoping um, that he can someday be with her or when booze cruise, when Michael tells him to never give up Uh, the weddings kind of give this, this built in drama or this built in sort of endpoint and tension to these romantic dynamics in the show. I like you said endpoint. That's what I was thinking. It's sort of these like finish lines. Uh, There's like, you know, four or five different storylines in the office. And the finish line seems to be a wedding for each of those, uh, or at least the, yeah. the checkpoint, you know, with Jim and Pam, where it's like, 
they finally get married and then their kids become another one. And then, you know, the uh, athlete becomes another one, but for everyone else, it's like, like think about Andy, especially, or, or like the entire show, he's just like, all he wants to do is not be alone. And same with Michael. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. all just like their stories sort of end when they get married and they settle down and they're happy. I mean, there's, we don't hear from Michael after that happens. Right. Um, right. I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right. It is like the end all be all for several characters, mm-hmm. right? Roy's wedding. That's him exiting the show. I mean, we haven't seen him in several seasons at that point, but, uh, but you know, and then Dwight and Angela's wedding is the end of the show. And mm-hmm. of course, yeah, like you were saying, uh, uh, Michael getting married to Holly is his reason for leaving. I, uh, I hadn't thought about this until just now, but uh, in uh, I think the episode is Boys and Girls in season two. Jan has all the uh, women in the office or in the conference room, and she says, what does it mean to have it all? And they all say, house of the family, house of the family, house of the family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talk That's about the beauty job of ordinary you want, not things. The job you have. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a weird earworm, too. That that one always sticks in my head. But Jan's a little piece of advice. Anyway, sorry. But... Oh, well, this idea of the beauty of ordinary things, what is more ordinary and relatable and universal than hope, like hoping for a better life or or an improvement in your life or or something that maybe feels impossible? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be heartbreaking or sad. It can be really funny and silly the way that the characters kind of chase their dreams. Like I'm thinking of Andy in kind of everything he does. Uh, But uh, but anyway, let's let's go to let's start talking about weddings. Well, I was going to say, too, you know, uh, Sean, with with all of these characters being their endpoints and we don't hear from them after their weddings you have a wedding coming up and i will not be talking <laughs> right. to you after your wedding uh, this well, is my it. last podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the sean, week, i'm moving I'm to colorado sean, yeah the week this comes out uh sean will be wed to his bride yep, yep. and then i'm moving to boulder <laughs> no what <laughs> mountain <Sure>. time <laughs> <laughs> well, my shelf is overflowing with preserves. I have some gifts for you to take with you. Uh, um, no, it, it, I mean, I guess, it, yeah, it is true. I'm getting married. Uh, I don't know if I just got married or I'm going to get married by the time this comes out. But uh, but yeah, um, these boys will be there. Be, We're having a very. You'll be about to be married. Okay. On the cusp of marriage. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, but- <laughs> but we can talk about more about that later. Let's talk about the office. So, um, let's uh, if you want to, let's start with the surplus. That's a good one. I mean, you know, that's interesting because um, it's the only wedding. It's the only, um, um, I guess you could call it an elopement if there's only just a few people present um, and the bride doesn't know that she's getting married. Um, <laughs> Uh, you call that a crime, don't you? Like, well, that, yeah, dude, it's really bad. It's not a good look for Dwight. I mean, yeah. it does it does illustrate the evolution of Dwight's character. If you look at the surplus to the end, where it's like he would he would be conniving enough to think he could pull off this secret wedding, and Angela would be like, "Oh, okay, cool." Like maybe at that stage in their lives, he thought that might have worked, but it does it does show Dwight's immaturity still at that point that he would. Uh, do that. it's kind of cold to do that to Angela it, it's it's not very it's very it's it's a bad move they have a weird relationship i think that he he, <laughs> he clearly thinks that this is a romantic gesture she's not some but farm she... animal <laughs> 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 it's it's funny that 
this Dwight and Angela, at least in this stretch where Andy and Angela are engaged and Dwight is trying to figure out what to do about that, is a unique inverse to what's happening with Jim, Pam, and Roy, where Jim has to summon up the courage or try to find the moment, or maybe he does and it doesn't, you know, she doesn't reciprocate or uh, she's still, you know, you're still going to marry that guy or you're still going to marry him. And she says, Mm -hmm. yeah, Uh, versus Dwight, where he's consistently coming up with different actions that he can do to try to break it up, either by buying and reselling Andy's car or uh, applying to Cornell. He just (laughs) keeps coming up with these like real actions that he can do to try to uh, drive a wedge between them. And this is the biggest one by far. And I think it it shows what happens so often with Dwight, where his schemes, uh, they can go all the way through and go exactly according to plan. And at the end, nobody wants to go along with him. (laughs) When he, when he tries to get Jim, everyone to (laughs) tick. So what say you to what to my plan? I say no. Yeah. And it's, it's the same sort of thing where Angela is not having it. She she uh, is kind of taken by the whole experience and what it could look like and what it feels like. But at the end, she she is so upset by the betrayal of actually marrying without her awareness or understanding mm-hmm. or consent. And so it's and rightfully so. Um, yeah, it's very much Dwight. And I mean, you know, it's in a way it's kind of nice for us because like, you know, Dwight hasn't doesn't always think he wants to be with Angela but I guess this is this is before the duel isn't it correct this is in the lead up to the duel yeah so yeah, that's right. this is uh when he there are so many things like I mentioned Dwight is trying to break them up to try to throw a wrench in things he talks to Phyllis and Phyllis tells uh tells him to give uh Angela an ultimatum um, but meanwhile they're hooking up the whole time mm-hmm. so it's a very messy uh as Jim and Pam say in a, in a talking head, the timelines are blurry here. Yeah, it's not a, yeah. Yeah, not a good decision. But yeah, I mean, in talking about marriages, too, I mean, Angela is such an interesting character, right? Because it's like she also really, really wants to get married, it seems. And um, for, you know, because Dwight killed her cat, she doesn't want to marry Dwight. But um, even she'll marry someone that she's not in love with. It's right? weird. Like, yeah. Super weird. Yeah, sure. Angela's like, I think the character who is proposed to the most on the show, she has the most weddings Definitely. or she's the weddings. only one without, she's the only one with a divorce. I, uh, besides Jan, of course. Is that true? Is that right? Toby. No, gotta be Stanley. Uh, oh yeah. Toby. And my too. next one too. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Okay. There's a few characters. Stanley's on the wife. Yeah. yeah. Angela also brags about how she got in an argument with her sister and has totally forgotten about it, but still doesn't speak to her. It's a point of pride. That's right. But in terms of, but let, like, let's bring it back to this notion of timing and timelines. And it does give Dwight this time where it, there seems to be leading up um, to, you know, why is she going to marry Andy? He says to Phyllis, Dwight says to Phyllis and Phyllis says, well, Angela's not much of a risk taker and Andy's not much of a risk. So there, the, Dwight is kind of fighting the clock a little bit in that regard. Um, and I think maybe we can jump to Jim and Pam and Roy in the early parts of the season, because I think that's the same sort of thing where Jim for the longest time, it's indefinite. It's open-ended. It adds to kind of the bleakness in season one that mm-hmm. Pam is uh, engaged seemingly forever. There's, and in the Dundies, she gets the award again, or she's going to get the award again for longest engagement until Michael changes and gives her the whitest tennis shoes award. Um, so there's this sense of hopelessness with that. She's engaged, but not married. Uh, for the longest time. Um, and then in Booze Cruise, 
after Captain Jack gives that speech about what's really important and mm. how he was thinking about his wife when he was in the war, uh, right. Roy gets all worked up and he goes to Pam and says, let's set a date. How about June 10th? I want to say you're right. It's either June 10th or June 8th. Um, I should look it up, but, but either way, June 10th feels right. Um, but then Jim and Michael are talking outside. Michael has been zip tied to the railing and, uh, I like where Michael kind of tries to make it seem like he isn't like the way he turns towards the camera. It looks like he's, he's meant to do this a little bit. Oh, I'm in the, I'm in the brig. Uh, but, but then, uh, when Jim tells Michael that he has feelings for Pam, um, Michael says, uh, yeah, Roy says the first one didn't, the first engagement didn't count, which is just <laughs> a double blow to Jim that like this right. thing that had been holding him back all alone just didn't count. Right. Um, but then Michael says those words, never, never give up. And I think that's like such an important moment and such a, like booze cruise is such a, like sad and heartbreaking episode in that way because of that tension. You know what mm. I, I hadn't thought about till just now? Does when Captain Jack tells that story to Roy that gets him to propose, does he say that I was thinking about my first wife or my ex-wife? He said I was thinking about my first wife. Okay. I just yeah. realized okay, good. Cause I was like, wait, he totally like goes to hook up with Meredith later in that episode. And if he told that story about like being in love with his wife, and then he's like hooking <laughs> up with Meredith has some life jackets. I was like, that doesn't track for Captain Jack. Well, you know, it's funny. We talked in the last episode, Jim and Karen, or the last one that we recorded at least, um, that about Jim getting pinned down to answer these tough questions and him like trying to worm out of them a little bit or sneak out of them. Yeah. Uh, they say, the boat's sinking. Who are you going to save? To Jim. And he says, uh, and he looks over and he sees Pam and he says, the customer, because the customer is king. <laughs> and Captain Jack says, well, let me tell you what, when I was in, you know, when I was in the war, I wasn't thinking about no customer. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about my first wife. Yeah. First, yeah. First right. wife. <laughs> One of my favorite little under, uh, under like a quote that doesn't get said a lot is uh, Captain Jack's a fart face. <laughs> Michael says that to Dwight <laughs> after he's right. throwing up over the side of the boat. That's a good one. <laughs> but That's a good one. Pam and Roy uh, is sort of, sort of a big framing piece of the early part of the show. And it's interesting that we never really get that we only see their wedding take place through Phyllis and Bob. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, because Phyllis stole all of uh, Pam's wedding ideas. Phyllis's mm -hmm. wedding coming. It comes a little earlier in the series than you really think. I think I when I think about you think a, more time has gone on, but it's pretty quickly after Phyllis and Bob get together and they get married there, uh, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> and nice. that. The place that happens in the show, it's almost the first time we put the cast in like an official ceremony. And anytime you get Michael Scott, you know, in, in, a, in an official ceremony, be it the uh, the uh, getting CeCe baptized, getting a wedding, anything official, my, uh, the deposition, it's great. He is that is by far when Michael Scott's character shines the brightest from a comedy standpoint, I think, is when you put him in the open court on the fast break, which is in this case walking down the aisle at Phyllis's wedding. And it's the first time we get he, these characters to in that kind of box and they all have different reactions to it. He loves the formality and the structure and then he destroys it all from within. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. 
<laughs> oh, I love that moment. It's so, so horrible. Good. I, know. Oh, I like that the cameraman has been walking down the aisle too in that scene. Mm-hmm. He's like about halfway is, down. Is part of expanding the ensemble of characters and developing the rest of the staff. Uh, in Gay Witch Hunt, Phyllis says that she's engaged to Bob Vance, and I love. Uh, you know, we talk about earworms. One where Pam turns and says, "Where did you? Where did you get that?" Uh, looking at Phyllis's engagement ring. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Phyllis and Bob coming together does kind of help round out. I mean, it, it it adds more dimension because it like it brings Bob into the cast a little more, and then it begins all of the things where Phyllis talks about Bob. Bob Vance bought me this perfume. It's made mm-hmm. at Metropolitan. It's Orlando. made, it's real, made pine. real pine. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it just uh, Phyllis um, develops more as a character as the show goes on, um, and part of the attention and the screen time she get comes in the form of this wedding. Yeah. I agree with that, definitely. And I love, uh, I do love the oh, way that... Now, sweetie, you look like a trout. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't to say that all of Phyllis's character is tied to her marriage with Bob or anything, but just that um, as as the show goes on, um, she just gets more and more screen time. But uh, I do love the way that Michael destroys this wedding, or tries to destroy <laughs> this wedding. Um, Phyllis brings him in uh, to get six weeks for uh, for her honeymoon. And uh, Michael is just wreaking havoc the whole time. Well, that's that whole wedding serves to to really illustrate Michael's insecurities. Again, um, this is something, as we know, Phyllis and Michael went to high school together. They're the same age. And I think that just Phyllis getting married just is hitting this alarm in Michael's brain that he's destined to spend his life alone and he can't handle it. And as a result, he tries to be front and center and very involved and have this wedding be Michael's wedding in a way, uh, which he does again. And, you know, in Niagara, he all, he feels like all these weddings are, are like, I'm also getting married because my kids are being married because they work for me and none of it's true. And it's weird and it's awkward. And Michael just makes it worse and worse as time goes on. Um, and yeah, dragging a wheelchair down the aisle. I mean, God, he's so, <laughs> he's so hurt it- that, Phyllis's dad steals this quote unquote spotlight from, from Michael that, <laughs> that he's just absolutely wrecked by it. Imagine pushing a wheelchair, like someone in a wheelchair and they stop you to get up and walk. What would have to go through your brain to physically push them back down by the shoulder? <laughs> what Crazy. kind of person, what kind of person would you have to be? <laughs> and, then, and then to turn to the camera and say, this is bullshit. And then to slowly drag the chair down the aisle to hijack the moment. It is He's such it is a child. You, I think it is. Uh, you'd have to be someone who'd experienced some serious trauma at a young age at a wedding. Long <laughs> story short, Jeff's dog ended up as ring bearer. And the irony is that after the ceremony, that dog peed on everything. And nobody said boo. <laughs> and no somehow my pants became wet, wet. <laughs> um, the other thing that i think you know we've talked about this this idea of timelines and adding this sort of dramatic uh tension to the show but the other thing that a wedding does is it brings all the characters together in one place um and allows them to kind of have moments together um i'm mm-hmm. thinking of when uh, kelly's wearing white at phyllis's wedding mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she says it's an emergency and then there's a talking head where kelly says i look really good in white <laughs> um, they just all of the characters kind of deal with their own things and in a similar way i think when you go to a wedding as an attendant or you're in a wedding or whatever it you you get a similar sense of like checkpoint of where you are in your life and thinking about that kind of thing obviously the wedding is uh about the people getting married but as an attendant or whatever i think it crosses everyone's mind 
Most definitely. Great moment of uh, Bob strong arming Michael again near the end when Phyllis is like, if you ever uh, lay a finger or touch a hair on, harm a hair on Phyllis's head, I'll yeah. kill you. And Michael's, and then uh, Bob's just <laughs> like, and if you ever touch, if you ever lay a hand on Phyllis, I'll kill you with a smile <laughs> on his face. Another great Bob quote. I think I probably messed All up right. the words there, but. Yeah, yeah. Just getting the Baba. I'll kill oh, you. Great. I should have made that a drop. Damn it. <laughs> um, but but in this moment, we also see, I mean, moving forward with Jim and Pam, we see Jim and Karen together yes. and Pam there and kind of interacting with Roy. And I think it's uh, the the impact that Pam must have going to a wedding and seeing that it's essentially her wedding must be really jarring. Um, they talk about it in the show, but I can only imagine what that must feel like. And then to have Roy there... And to be kind of oblivious about a lot of different things. He's like, you know, I didn't, you know, I don't really pick up on these kinds of things, but these are the same kind of flowers I got you at our prom. And, and yeah. Pam's response is kind of a, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Phyllis and Bob, P&B. Mm-hmm. Or Robert, sorry, P and R, Robert. Also, yeah. it's like, also Pam and Roy. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The PB and J line got mixed up into my head there. What a waste. <laughs> <laughs> I do love uh, when F- Kevin flips from uh, the announcement about Uncle Al to Roxanne, like that high pitch. Yeah, he's trying to do the sting voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, gosh. But then in the end, uh, Phyllis does give Michael like a kiss on the cheek and thanks him for finding Uncle Al. And Michael seems picked up in that moment i think uh he just wants to feel acknowledged i think and that's that's a big piece of it yeah or that he contributed that he's a part of someone's family Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and like i'm just trying to form this thought in my head here but like you know there's just something like uh, jim watching pam and roy leave together and then says you know roy's with pam and i'm with karen and frangelina's with frangelina like it's something like he's it, I think it's like being at a wedding, you know, he's so like, well, I guess this is just what it is, you know, and it, uh, it it feels so I mean, weddings can feel so permanent. And so I think that, you know, in a way, like he's thinking like, you know, in that in that moment, he's like, well, I guess this is just the way that things are, even though he's not, you know, being honest with himself. Right. It does feel like that window that the window of hope that opened at booze cruise kind of closes here a little bit mm-hmm. for Jim. Well, I mean, Jim is with somebody else this time. He is. Yeah, he's, he's he is. But he's like he's not totally emotionally there. I feel like with Karen. Mm-hmm. And he says that right. at the end of that. And I, I think we mentioned this last week, but he says that at the end of the episode of like, here's a non hypothetical. Like, I'm really happy I'm with Karen. The way he says it, you're like, mm-hmm. I don't believe you. I can tell that you don't even believe yourself. Like, right. He says the same thing to Karen when he says, I'm really happy you're here. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. That's felt, Are you really happy, Jim? Yeah. You don't seem like it, felt, buddy. Yeah. Okay, bud. Felt a little flat there, yeah. Chief. But Yeah. I guess that just makes me think about all the times we watch people try and we just know that it's not going to work out mm-hmm. just so that they can get to, they could, just because they want to get married, they want to get that part done so that they can move on to the house and family, right? You got, I mean, we know we know things aren't going to work out with Pam and Roy. We know things aren't going to work out with Jim and Karen. We know things aren't going to work out with Michael and Jan, Angela and Andy, Angela and the Senator. And it's like, <laughs> and it's so cringy and hard to watch them 
watch them try, but they all do it. I, uh, you mentioned Michael and Jan. I'm thinking of when Michael talks to Jan and how he wants the, the tickling and the ketchup fights and the giggling. Yeah. He wants to go from like A to Z or like yeah. A to, let's, I don't know, A to M with Jan to jump right into that domestic familiar bliss. Even in the, in the context of this cocktail party, when they've signed their contract to give to HR, he's trying to do these, these big displays of affection with Jan at the corporate party. Aren't we great? <laughs> Yeah, I love this I love one. <laughs> Everything you can think of. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, it's more about he's not even thinking about what jam. Yeah, that's plastic right? boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Contrasting, I, I think it's worth contrasting or or just looking at Phyllis's wedding with Roy's wedding, as especially for Jim and Pam as like a real arc of their whole relationship as far as being at a wedding for Phyllis where they're not together and then being together and going to Roy's wedding, which neither of them feel great about. They're both surprised they got that invitation. I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead, but I feel like like those those couple together pretty well, those two weddings. Well, there's also, I mean, the thing with Roy's wedding that's interesting to me is that like, you know, Roy's kind of this shitty guy the entire show. Right? That's up for like, debate. Up for debate. I mean okay. Shitty but let's versus back to he's a little detached. He's a little he's not trying very hard. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But but I mean we we, we know he has bad taste, he can't control his temper. He's That's true. I guess he does more destroy a bar. In, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. He wants to he's, he's more interested at, in at hanging the very out with least, any at the very least, let's just say he's a bad fit for Pam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, but, you know, th- then they go to the wedding and, you know, there's all these jokes about like, you know, like, you know, Pam's eating a banana before because she doesn't want to have hot dogs because she figures that that's what's going to be served at the wedding because Roy wanted to serve it at their wedding. Um, that moment is really course- when she I love the way they do that. It's so realistic when they're walking to the car and she's still like putting an earring in and she's like, yeah. I planned a wedding with him. He wanted hot dogs. It, it's such a real yeah. moment of like being rushed and like getting yeah. out of the house to this wedding. And it's just a <laughs> yeah, but but he's changed, right? That's kind of the, what we're supposed to feel like is he's a totally changed guy. Here he is. He's learned how to play the piano. He's got a nicely catered wedding. Wedding. He owns his own gravel business. I love that. Roy's brother walks because up he and found like, the woman he loves. Fifty thousand dollars sports car. Like he's still. Roy's brother is still fixated on expensive vehicles of some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. expensive toys, yeah. right? <laughs> I think, too, I mean, uh, not that we should do any sort of comprehensive analysis on Roy right now, but to go back to what you were saying at the very beginning, Sean, Roy, for Roy to exhibit growth at his wedding, he needs to start from a, uh, a place that we don't love as a viewer, maybe. Let's just say that, right? Mm-hmm. Where he does uh, sort of mistreat Pam, or at least they're not on the same page, or whatever you want to call their interactions, which are tense and and uh, filled with conflict a lot of the time. Um, but now, like, Roy seems to have found uh, this much better place, and uh, he's clearly found uh, success with uh, his new gravel company, um, with his you know new wife, who he seems very in love with, um, and with his new and with his piano, he's been <laughs> successful yeah. at learning to play the piano. Um, and it's so interesting to watch that growth from someone who we thought was like really um, kind of a destructive force, maybe in Pam's mm-hmm. life, um, 
And to see him in this different place does sort of does sort of shine a spotlight on Jim and Pam and where they are at. As also, well. a successful thing, beard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. You were talking about realistic moments. I remember reading or hearing some. I think it was an interview with Mindy Kaling somewhere where they were talking about how in the writers' room they noticed when like somebody eats like half a banana and they try to like close the banana. <laughs> you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah, and that kind of happens with Pam, where like the waiter or, or the the caterer asks if she's done with her banana, wants me to take her peel. Yeah. And I think there's a moment with Toby where he does it too, where he's like eating a banana and is trying to close it. You know, it's such <laughs> a so funny, funny, weird, awkward, re- like relatable moment or experience. Yeah, but, yeah. But but like with with Pam and Roy's wedding, especially, or sorry, uh, with Roy's wedding especially, um, like. It's it's kind of what we see throughout this entire show that like if you can make it to the point where you find your perfect person and you get married, that is your final salvation. Like after that, like you are your best self. You are like you you, you no longer um, struggle to, to find your 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 identity, your purpose in life. That's it. You've made it right. Like, you know, when Michael comes back after moving away to Boulder in the finale and his just his life is perfect, you know. He's got he's like all of a sudden not a really offensive idiot. <laughs> it is the ultimate showdown between the Nardog and crippling <laughs> anguish, loneliness, and despair. <laughs> there you go. But you know, I mean, like I don't know, you know, Roy, Roy, in this, uh, I actually don't remember his fiance's name. Does anyone know Laura. Laura's wife, Laura? Laura. Um, uh, She's got. You know, we don't know anything about her. them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, we don't know anything about their relationship, but because it's a beautiful wedding, and he's like seems successful in all these ways, like we just figure that it's a perfect relationship, right? Well, yeah, and we actually, as far as all these weddings we've talked about, we see very little of Roy's actual wedding. We get the scene of him of them, you know, greeting each other. And then we get Roy playing the song And out of all these weddings. We see his the least about mm-hmm. as much as we see of Dwight and Angela's fake wedding. And so it mm-hmm. really, that whole thing is just to, sh- is just serving the plot to say for Jim and Pam of like, are you guys stale? Do you know anything about each other that you don't know? Are there any surprises right, right. left in our relationship? Because that's what right. Roy's wedding is this huge surprise to Pam. And you see it yeah. on her face of just like, right when she walks in, and there's a mimosa ready for her. And she's like, can I take your peel? And she's like, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, already yeah. she's a little thrown off of like, oh, there's going to be food and drinks and what? And uh, yeah, it's it, that's that's really the whole purpose of that. Well, and Roy surprises Laura because he says, right. I think he was, it's boxing lessons, right? Yeah, boxing lessons. Fighting lessons. Yeah. And it, he's actually been learning to play the piano. So he does kind of pull off this really nice big surprise gesture that we we certainly did not think Roy was capable of based on his behavior or his actions earlier in the series. Um, your art was the prettiest art of all the art. Right. To now playing this really lovely heartfelt song and surprising his, his wife on their wedding day. It's a jump. Um, and then, yeah, Jim and Pam seem not to be able to surprise each other anymore. And even when they try to surprise each other, they can't, or it's a bad or it's the wrong kind of surprise. Like, it's right. a, yeah. Well, the whole the yeah. whole time that's when that episode is really starts the whole season nine arc of Jim mm-hmm. establishing this company in secret, and then everything that happens out out of that. Oh, Philly Jim! <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about 
Well, I'll pose it to you guys. Do you think we should talk about the proposals at the end of Goodbye Toby? We should also talk about the finale, of course. What do you think we should talk about first? I mean, I like the idea of talking about proposals. I mean, I think, again, it's it, it, it goes hand in hand with the wedding thing. Like, if you if you have a great proposal, you have a great relationship. If you have a great wedding, you have a great relationship. And I just want to say, too, it's like, that's not true. I mean, it doesn't really doesn't have anything to do with anything. I mean, it's great if you have a great proposal story and a great, uh, you know, a a very tasteful wedding that, you know, has all these uh, really heartfelt moments in it, but it's just an event. It's, I mean, a a relationship lasts your entire life. So it's, I mean, a a married relationship, but um, so, you know, with the proposal stuff with goodbye, Toby, right. It's like, you know, this idea that like this is the perfect time to do it. So like mm-hmm. and, and that and that and that uh, Andy is able to swoop and steal it from Jim, um, uh, even though even though Andy's relationship is not as solid as Jim's, he gets to have the the big proposal. Pretty close to my wedding, Tuna. <laughs> it's your game. It's your game here <laughs> to get married. <laughs> That's a, you, right. you mentioned Toby, who's kind of a funny figure in the background of all these as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, he floats in the back of these weddings, like because a he's either really sad about Pam or, but then in Phyllis's wedding, shows up with a dime piece, who catches the bouquet, and and then we get the Toby. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, wait, yeah, what happened with right. her? Like Toby's like takes this beautiful woman to this wedding, and we just kind of don't really hear about it anymore. Yeah, I think she went back to the gym. Oh yeah, where they met. It's just yeah, funny. It's like uh, Toby <laughs> picking up a girl at the gym. That doesn't track, but whatever. What would you know, Toby? Your answer to everything is get divorced. <laughs> 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 anyway, but uh, but yeah, you, you were saying the proposals. Uh, I, I I totally agree with you that they don't really go hand in hand with that. I mean, Andy, you know, he says that line like I haven't proposed to anyone in years. I was gonna I say Andy uses, <laughs> Andy uses proposals the way that Kelly does, like telling people she's pregnant or having these like crazy excuses mm-hmm. um, cuz she she says in Phyllis's wedding if i were you i'd you know get really drunk and tell somebody i was pregnant or she tells Ryan that she's pregnant like it's just it's a go to for her <laughs> and Andy it feels very much the same way where he's got the ring for Jessica and pool party you mm-hmm. know yeah he hasn't proposed yeah. to anyone in a long time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it is man you know Andy and Kelly really might have been meant for each other in a lot of ways yeah they could have been could have been something special that does make and you realize you... that, sorry, that Kelly and Ryan got divorced. I totally forgot about oh, yeah. that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as they run away together in the finale, we I've, we finally mastered commitment. <laughs> yeah. Flicking a bug off my wiener. <laughs> I think, too, the, the interesting thing that happens in Goodbye, Toby, is it totally throws off our timelines. I think... Uh, Andy recognizes that this is a moment to propose to Angela, but Jim has been constructing this as his moment to propose to Pam. And it does inflect some tension into their relationship because Pam thought he was going to propose. Jim was, and then he backs off at the last second. So it creates that little bit of, uh, of tension there where we don't really know what's going to happen with them. Of course, beginning of season five, Jim proposes at the gas station. Um, right. And, and, and it picks up. And I was going to but- mention, For sure. And I was going to mention that that proposal as well, because like, you know, I mean, just in talking about, you know, wedding, what do weddings mean for the office and how important are they to the show? 
they built that gas station just that as a set. They built that entire gas station as, just for that proposal. It was the most so, expensive shot in the show's history. Right. So that is a, like a really good example of how important it is to the show. And like you said, mm-hmm. Edwin, that's the, the the non-proposal between Jim and Pam is used as a cliffhanger at the end of a whole season. It's it's something to make the audience. It's like something we don't give the audience because you're like, oh, they were so close and we need this like it's one of many releases that we want on Jim and Pam's relationship throughout the show, whether it's, you know, the, their first kiss, first date, their wedding, the proposal, all these things. And it's like this, this proposal is such a massive, massive event for this whole show. And like, you're right that the show backs it up by putting a lot of resources into it, into a proposal that's really on brand for them. It's a little, it's super romantic. It's like spur of the moment. It's, it's weirdly, sweet even though it is raining at a gas station which people later make fun of which i really like so i'm so glad you mentioned this because i think i'm 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 uh, I'm on the same uh, train of thought which is that their their proposal is so uh on brand it's very sweet they literally meet each other halfway which i think is a nice metaphor um it comes after the times when uh, Jim's fake proposals where where Pam says, uh, if you propose to me during a Michael conference room meeting, I'm going to say no. Yeah. Or, uh, when he does that thing where he kneels to tie his shoe mm-hmm. on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We have these moments, these pump fakes. And then, uh, and that moment's really nice. It's very true to Jim and Pam, very small, very personal. But when, and then you go to Michael in season seven when he asks about it. He's like, oh, at a gas station. And Pam says, yeah, and it was in the rain. He says, oh, you didn't tell me that the weather was bad. <laughs> I love the like the yeah. flip where it's like some people see something at a wedding and it feels totally tacky and and they don't like it. But other maybe the people who are throwing the wedding like think it's the most wonderful, beautiful thing in the world. Like People just have different tastes when it comes to that sort of thing. And it's so funny because Michael's taste is for such a dramatic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I throw a corpse off the roof. <laughs> it leads to me saying, I lost my head when I fell in love with you. <laughs> right after what am I, what am I after wanting to propose with bloopers. gasoline in the in the parking lot lighting it all on yeah. fire if you're wearing a costume you've done something wrong <laughs> there's one of my favorite bloopers from that season is uh michael is coming up with ideas he says paula poundstone and they say what about her he says i throw paula poundstone off the roof and they all just break <laughs> oh my god that like i uh, uh, too though that the proposal with jim and jim and pam just just we haven't even really ever talked about that on our show. I don't think we're such a big a moment, bit. but it is. It does. It is funny how that mirrors their actual wedding. You know, as far as it's not raining, but the mist of Niagara Falls. Like it's also they're both soaked and with you know a, a veil that's torn and a tie that's cut. Um, it does mirror their exact. It's their proposal in so many ways where nothing. It wasn't perfect. Uh, they kind of had to rush out and do it on their own during these times when they weren't, I mean, even when Pam's in New York, Jim's in Scranton, it's like sort of emblematic of Jim and Roy, like they're next to each other, but they're not, they're actually very far away, but they want to be together and they, they come back to that time and again. Right. And it's like, you know, a fancy wedding and, or proposing like under fireworks and things like that are all, you know, um, universally like, you know, considered romantic or exciting and things like that. But everything that Jim and Pam does, like, you know, the cut tie or proposing at the gas station, it's just, it's, it's romantic to them. Mm -hmm. They understand it and it doesn't matter. They don't even consider what other people would think. And that's how you know that, um, that they have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. 
They say that's romantic, but find yourself a guy. Find yourself a guy who does that zero times a year. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's one of the more ridiculous Ryan Ryan quotes. Yeah, um, and I think too, looking at Jim and Pam's proposal and wedding, you look at what happens in Cafe Disco. Uh, well, let's say in Booze Cruise when Captain Jack offers to marry them as captain of the boat. And then right. Michael offers to marry them as regional manager of Dunder Mifflin. And Pam says, no, yeah. I want my mom to be there. Right, right. And then at Cafe Disco, they're about to elope. And they decide not to because they want the big wedding. Right. And then on the wedding day, when they're all together, they have to escape to get married and then come back. And so much right. of Jim and Pam is about trying to escape the structure that they're in. So they mm -hmm. go out and they come back. So yeah. they, there's something, I think, interesting there. Well, I mean, that's actually because Pam has a different mom in season two than in season <laughs> six. So, <laughs> Andy also has different parents uh, when he proposes. Yeah, right. so. I think yeah. it's Helene is in uh, is is obviously you know Pam's mom, but then I think in season two we can call her Frangelina. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, that's who Jim was talking about. Is is there anything else that that uh, that you guys want to touch on uh, with with weddings in the office uh, overall? The finale. I, mean, I think the yeah. finale. We I mean, should Dwight. mention just Dwight and Angela. We need, yeah. yeah, we need to talk about and the finale. Yeah, we will do a whole episode on the finale at some point. Right. I think just like I think we probably have enough to do an episode on Roy at some point. Maybe. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Probably has enough. Roy and Jan might be a nice pairing. Actually, that would, <laughs> would have been a good couple. Anyway, mm. uh, I think the finale is uh, it's it's it is a wedding episode, but it's it just means so much more. There's so much else going on in that one, too. I mean, the PBS documentary airs the Q&A. Um, the bachelor party. Right. And so every, and bachelorette party. Yeah, there's there's just a ton going on and the actual wedding. Um, you know, for, for, for Dwight saying earlier in the show that weddings are a bleak affair within the shrewd. So that's certainly not the case, uh, when he gets married to Angela. And as far as, uh, all of the weddings we see on the show, that's probably the one I'd want to attend the most. Definitely. The, the finale as a whole is a vehicle for so much character resolution, um, that it, it inflects so much of the wedding, um, like Aaron dancing with her parents and being like, where did you get your dance moves? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I've just always been a great dancer. And they dance so similarly. Um, and then Phyllis and Stanley dancing together. There's just a lot of moments of resolution that happen and a lot of really nice moments that kind of fill the wedding. But uh, it is a very nice. Drake finally sort of gets a parent. For... Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's true. Kelly and Ryan and uh, Ravi and Nelly and uh, Nate uh, freeze the, the doves. Right. And then. <laughs> And then we get one of my all-time favorite cuts in the office, which is people looking at the ones they love, and then Moe's staring off at his scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, that's, like <laughs> that's another so wedding they'll have at some point on that farm, I'm sure. <laughs> but I like oh, that I, the show ending with Dwight's wedding is such a fitting end because if if you if you boil the show down to the main cast, Jim, Pam, Michael, Dwight, right? The show's very concerned with Jim and Pam's relationship. And then Michael's happiness. Those are the kind of the most prioritized relationships on the whole show. Right. And then Dwight, who's been out of those four is, is a lot of comic relief. A lot of, uh, I mean, as much as Michael is, but he's, he's someone who's there to sort of be this unemotional person almost uh, that the other three people are always circling around and having an end with Dwight finding this piece and finally being settling down with a woman he loves is, is it is the last nail in the coffin, so to speak, as far as 
all the characters on the show uh, getting what they want. And <laughs> that's a, that's mm-hmm. a really bleak metaphor. Nail in the coffin. I used it intentionally because they <laughs> Dwight gets married standing oh, yeah. in a grave. Uh, why is it so shallow? Uh, as, as it's <laughs> remarked. <laughs> But yeah, that is, yeah. and as the German says, as, as the as the minister says there, you know, this is a reminder that this is the only escape they have from the vow that yeah. they're taking is death. <laughs> There's uh, one of my favorite little overlooked lines, or a line that I forget about sometimes, maybe, is at the beginning when they're in the parking lot doing yoga, uh, and Dwight and Angela like come together, like, "Are you ready for the wedding?" And Angela says, "All we need for this wedding is you and me." And Dwight says, and the old man to feed us the cheese that's been fermenting since, uh, since I was born. I always <laughs> seem to forget about that. And Angela says, yeah, I can't, I don't, I can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. I think that, I think that, you know, that's a, such a special one because in the beginning of the show, we somehow inherently understand that, that Angela and Dwight are meant to be together. Even, mm-hmm. <laughs> even through, the multiple seasons of, of fighting and lying and cheating. And like, we, we all know that they're meant and to most. be together. Mm-hmm. And most <laughs> shout out, by the way, to Andy for throwing the garden party at Dwight's really, it gave Dwight such a great dry run for like hosting his own wedding. As far as, uh, you know, having a big tent up and a, and a, and a, uh, caterers and tableaus and all mm-hmm. sorts of different you know things he does. So that, Andy really helped out Dwight there. There is a, uh, it is funny to watch all the characters dance at the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Like it feels very uh, end of season last. Like there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of shows that end kind of like that with everyone dancing on the dance floor at a wedding. Definitely. Did we miss any other weddings? Any proposals that we didn't talk about? I don't think so, but sure I mean, we didn't, to... we did not talk about the Diwali proposal. Uh, oh yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a, a whole good separate thing. That's a- another time when someone is just like, "Oh, this is it. This is the moment. All the people <laughs> yeah. are here. Everyone's dressed up. There's lights, you know." Um, so you know, I think that that's that's the that's the takeaway. I think that that's the message of the show, kind of. I mean, I think in a way they can screw this message up every now and then. Where I think there's plenty of characters who it's like their final salvation is getting married, and it just you know whisks them off of the show into a perfect life and but that's not what we get with Jim and Pam and I think Mm-mm. that that is that's the reality you know I mean and and we you don't know, get it with anyone so, we don't get it with Dwight you don't get it with Michael for a while no 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 and like you know speaking as someone who's getting married in a week I'm so excited and I'm so excited to marry the person that I love the most in the world Ryan and you know, spend the rest of our lives together. But, you know, we know that uh, that this is going to be a really fun day and a really fun memory for the rest of our lives. But there's so much more after that. You know, we're going to keep growing and going to keep experiencing challenges and stuff like that. So I like that. And I think in some ways, too, I don't know if like there was pressure from the studio to like, come on, let's get Jim and Pam married. You know, that like, hmm. could the show have ended with Jim and Pam's marriage? You know, uh, like, could they have dragged that out longer? No, God, I, um, God I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> but I think I'm glad that for at least one relationship on the show, we see their life keep going after after marriage and keep seeing how they grow and change and struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, 
But uh, yeah, any other final thoughts? I I want to I want to echo what you said there, Sean. I think you you got to the point of all these weddings, all these proposals. Like, there's none of them are perfect. None they all have their own flaws, and they all take a lot of time. Which is, I think you're right. Another message of the show of beyond the beauty of ordinary things that like look things just you have to be patient. Things take a while. It's not going to happen that fast. And like all these people who feel they're maybe they're stuck at this dead end job in Scranton, like. It takes you know all these nine seasons, nine years before a lot of things even start to change. And like, I think when Michael at the end of season five, right, at company picnic, when I think is really when the page turns on Michael, and he has that thing with Holly when he's like, "It's it's just not our time yet, and I'll be patient, and it's just going to take more time." And eventually, we see a much more mature Michael. I mean, as mature as Michael Scott can be, but we see a different Michael after that point when he sort of realized that. Look, this not it's not going to happen right now at Diwali in this moment and be this beautiful movie thing that doesn't actually mm-hmm. happen. Um it mm-hmm. life is messier than that. And I think that's that's you're right. I think that's another takeaway of the show and and these proposals and weddings do a great job of showcasing that. Two last little things. Uh Michael showing the engagement ring and saying 3 years salary. Saying, holy, <laughs> holy shit is that real? <laughs> And then uh, the last thing is Oscar. Uh, Angela's engaged to a gay man. As a gay man, I'm horrified. As a friend of Angela's, horrified. As a lover of elegant weddings, I'm a little excited. <laughs> Why does this always happen to me? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, guys. That wraps up our episode on, uh, on weddings. Let's move on to uh, a little conference room. Five minutes. Right now. Right now. Conference room. Topic. Hope hurry. Let's go. Okay, so this question comes to us from Josh. Hey guys, love the podcast. I am a completionist. So when I decided to rewatch The Office after the NBA season was postponed, I watched all the way until the end. During season nine, my wife began to nitpick the show, which got me thinking about some things in the show that didn't really make sense to me. What nitpicks of certain characters or plot points do you have? For example, my wife's. What job would Daryl interview? Uh, what, what job does Daryl interview for an athlete? Uh, also, also, why would Jim get so mad at Pam for not taping CeCe's recital when the camera crew was there to film it? <laughs> that was really good. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of camera TV stuff that doesn't track. Yeah. yeah. Right. Also other parents. Yeah. <laughs> Alternatively, why was the camera crew with Pam at the recital? It was after hours on her personal time. Uh, his nitpick is why is Dunder Mifflin a public company? They are a small paper supply company centralized in the mid-Atlantic region. They don't have the makings of a public company. Also, why do the branch managers and regional branch (laughs) managers report to the CFO? Wouldn't there be a COO that would be in charge of operations? We've talked about this. This Why Why is the CFO always invested in the day-to-day operations of a branch? Um, I love it. Uh, is do you guys have ones that just drive you crazy like that? Just little things that you're like, this doesn't make sense, though. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the the David Wallace is the CFO who's very very involved in operations. That's one thing that always kind of uh, sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they just like it was just a mistake to call him the CFO because that doesn't seem to be the role that he fills at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the point about the public company is pretty funny as well. It, it does it does track. Um, or, or or it does not track. I should say that they that they exist as a public company, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other ones that like I think these are some things that if you uh, you're a member of any office fan groups online, you these these things come up from time to time. Oscar finds hardwood floor twice 
under right. the carpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oscar is shown to have a good shot in the basketball episode, and then he's shooting at uh, shooting at the Papa shot in job fair. Um, but then when he comes to happy hour, he can't he can't shoot at all mm-hmm. when he's trying to shoot with Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, well, here, what what else do you guys have? I'll give you another I, one at the end. I got a couple. One is. I there's just a lot of things that happen in the warehouse where just suddenly the warehouse is cleared out and I'm like where are they putting all of these racks of stuff why why do why do they allow the warehouse to be disrupted so often from their day to day responsibilities yeah. Yeah. from like shipping yeah. paper on regular business it's crazy um yeah. that always bugs um, me I, and oh, to, to yeah go ahead oh, go ahead. oh I was just gonna say just writing off of that one what about the sprinklers going off at uh at uh Michael and and Holly's proposal just destroying just absolutely the done yeah completely every file every computer all the furniture and carpet <laughs> also this one's been brought up a lot too but like where where does the conference room table go every time Michael yeah, has a yeah. meeting right, always right. bugs me now that that's been pointed out well, hey based on Michael's TV buying habits he clearly likes things that fold up into the wall to save space oh, so yeah, maybe like one of those beds the conference <laughs> table room table folds up yeah it's a Murphy table a yeah Murphy table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Brian, the sound guy, like, like getting fired from the documentary crew and then becoming a character in the documentary is always <laughs> been very interesting to me. <laughs> uh, I have one too that when when uh, Michael or is under the impression and that 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 Dunder Mifflin Scranton is closing. And he goes to talk to Daryl and Daryl's like, oh, Bob Vance hired us all on and we're just going to do that. Like, we're good. It's like, OK, wait. So does Bob Vance not already have a staff and a shipping crew and everything? And is he doubling? Like, how can he afford to suddenly absorb a whole warehouse and staff that right. like he already had that, didn't he? Like, why is he why would he be taking on a whole nother? He's probably I, I mean, I would say he probably is expanding. Think so. And then what happened? Yeah, just, just and guess. then he doesn't get him when they come back. <laughs> like, I mean, it's only a day, so like in theory, it's like, oh yeah, I'll I'll do it, and then another you know what? Out. Yeah, now I'm just thinking about the geography of that parking lot and where are all the trucks? <laughs> oh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <I> know, <that's... laughs> if, yeah, if if they Vance and Dunner Mifflin are running trucks out of the warehouse, where, where do they go? There's not much room behind the building. No. If Vance Refrigeration was just shown as the office location. Then it would check out, but because we have the warehouse guys, you know, and the and the boxes and the trucks and stuff, it doesn't it doesn't check out at all. Yeah. Refriger- shipping refrigerators that needs a lot more room than paper. I bet it, those are big big items. <laughs> Huge industrial Huge. refrigeration. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're going to get a lot of people 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 enjoy nitpicking the show, and we get a lot of questions that are like, "Hey, why? How this doesn't yeah. make sense? How come?" And so, yeah, it's hard to. I can't focus on them too much just because it's like, it's a show. They have to just make things work. Um, yeah. But I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get a ton of, of people writing in about it. And we, we should share those in one big uh, bulk order at some point. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, I think we'll just always continue to talk about them. So if you have one that you don't I, think we've talked lot. about on there's the show, so please write them in. Yeah. I've got a couple really quickly that are, they're a little bit different, but okay. there's this notion of a, uh, it's called retcon retroactive continuity. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, which is when something is introduced at the end and it 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 changes the way that you would have viewed the show. Um, it happens in the finale when Meredith talks about getting her PhD mm-hmm. um, during the first seven years of broadcasting, and then Oscar a little bit with his origami, 
And he says, and all this time, you've never shown me getting my origami. Um, yeah. And it's like, those are fine, but it just kind of throws off the entire way that we were watching the show. It's uh, it retcon is something that happens a lot in comic books because they have to kind of reconfigure mm-hmm. and reset mm-hmm. everything. Um, there's a famous example with Spider-Man. Um, but like it, it, I think that's fine if, if Meredith was getting her uh, going to school, but it totally destroys the way that the show portrayed her. This documentary crew doesn't show at all that she's going to school at night, but they're happy to show her getting drunk Busted. and being promiscuous all, these, all this time. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you guys got to stay. I have uh, Vienna sausages and napkins. You leave your door yeah. unlocked and ajar? Well, and it's... <laughs> And it's also with the with the retcon too. It's always like you know, well, they only decided that when writing the finale, and it's not like like, hey, go back and watch. We left you little Easter little eggs crumbs. that you yeah. would like, you know, her reading like a you know, you yeah, know, child a psychology PhD book. textbook yeah. or something. Yeah, right. a textbook that says PhD. <laughs> <laughs> PhDs for idiots. <laughs> But anyway, those are those are small things. But yeah, well, for sure. Well, I, Creed's whole character is a nitpick. <laughs> Why wouldn't he have been fired? He clearly doesn't do anything. Why is Michael yeah. still allowed to be boss when he's committed numerous fireable <laughs> offenses, including sexual assault, theft, yeah. all all fraud, all these sorts of things? Like he should be absolutely fired. Um, the Kevin, if Kevin's uh, really that bad, if 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 you if you've known that there's been a part of the office where two people could do the job of three what cfo would keep that going for this entire time no one yo that that's a retcon that bothered me in the finale too that that um oscar's known about the Kalevin this whole time so i'm just like that he would not be okay with that he would have mentioned mm-hmm. that before um they don't i mean well they don't say that he's known about it the whole time but he's but he, he knew what it was at some point Right. So like maybe he wasn't going into Kevin's books or anything, but he did know about it. It did come I mean, into light at some they, point. Yeah, he used to say uh, something p- plus Kevin gets you home by seven. A mistake plus Kevin, yeah, um, or Clevin. Mm-hmm. The th- the funny thing is, you can hold both of these things true. On one hand, it is just a show, and these details like they're not no. always ever going to line up perfectly. <laughs> and on the other side, is it's like this is a re- like you know we love the show so much, we want everything to line up and feel very real. Like we were talking about Jim and Karen. Um, in our last recording and talking about how they were real people or they felt like real people. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an extension of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, let's move on to a little trivia. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. So this trivia comes to us from Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. Um, from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, so here we go. Ten questions. In Product Recall, what is the name of the paper mill rep Creed was supposed to meet with? Debbie Brown. Debbie Brown, Debbie yes. Brown. yes. Um, all right, this is one that you guys got to know. We've mentioned this one before. What is Stanley's daughter's name? Mar- no, Melissa. 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 Melissa, correct. What were the winning numbers the warehouse workers used to win the lottery? To play Daryl's birthday. I don't know yeah, the numbers, right. but... Oh, yeah, sorry. They don't say oh, the numbers. Okay. Daryl's birthday is the answer. Um, in cocktails, what does Toby try and win for Pam in the claw machine? It's a duck. It's a duck plush toy. Yeah, that's correct. Finish Sco this. Ducks. Sco ducks. <laughs> Sco ducks. Hey, <laughs> quack, quack. 
finish, finish this quote. It is 4.30 in the morning. Do you know where your kids are? If you are Ryan's parents or Pam's parents or my parents, you do. They're going to be in this van with me. Who am I? Nothing to fear. Just a 40-year-old man with a paper route. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That very nice. 44-year-old man with a paper uh, route. Uh, Michael, you're 40. at least in your 40s. Why at least? Why do you... <laughs> <laughs> Why not just say 40? Oh, yeah. You're, you're at least 45. Why say at least? Just say I'm in my 40s. Yeah. <laughs> um, when Jim is giving Ryan updated emergency contact info, who does he list? Larissa Halpert. That's right. His sister, Larissa Halpert. Bonus question. What is her address? Oh, did he says it right there? Yep. Uh, 723 Evergreen Terrace. No, that's <laughs> no. the Simpsons. <laughs> 117. I don't know. It's 117 Mount Bergen Street. Did you catch that? Well, 117 okay. Mount Bergen Street. Got it. Okay. Uh, Got it. Question seven. How much... How much money does Michael think the CPR dummy costs? Oh. Uh, what, 35,000? Yeah, it's like $13,000 or something. I don't know. He thinks it's It's 5, a hundred th- number that it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he thinks it's $5,300. $5,300. Right, <laughs> yeah. Um, Hello, in- Clarice. <laughs> you were in the um, parking lot earlier. That's how I know you. <laughs> <laughs> in counseling, in counseling, Michael claims he was raised by whom? Wolves. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Question nine: What is the name of the chair model? Uh oh my gosh! It's like a pole. It's like, uh, is it Deborah? Is her first name? Correct. Deborah Shafalovsky. Shafalovsky. Yeah, Shafsky. Shafsky. Uh, Deborah Shoshlevsky. 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 Nice. Trisha yep. Netta. Same actress. <laughs> oh, Debbie. Oh, yeah. Same. Deborah. Debbie. Same as uh, Creed's quality assurance person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah another Debbie. Um, all right. Question 10. Final question. What passport, other than a U.S. one, does Creed have? Uh, Swiss. Correct. Yes. Nice. All right. Thank you very much, Amanda, for sending in that listener trivia. That was awesome. And if uh, you at home listening have a listener trivia that you'd like to submit, please email us, mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. Put trivia in the subject line. We'll probably use it on the show. Um, you can also call us, 503-694-9314. Leave us a message. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram, Michael Scott Podcast Company, on Twitter at Michael Scott Pod. We have a website, michaelscottpod.com. And as we mentioned at the top, we're on patreon.com slash Michael Scott. Join us. Become, become a Scott's tot for fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling pretty good about that one. That you little you had Jeremy Sue powder. I just yeah. <laughs> forgot to breathe. Okay, here we go. Uh, um, Oh, I'm not uh, editing Scott's that, by the way. For $5 a month. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, get an extra mailbag episode every every month. Um, get to hang out with us on there and uh, and donate to a good cause, Thurgood Marshall. A special thanks to all our Patreon supporters and Ryan Lloyd, who helps us with our social media and designs all our artwork and who's going to marry me next week. <laughs> and this episode <laughs> is uh, <laughs> recorded in Portland, Oregon over video chat. Uh, I also have a special announcement, one that these guys haven't heard. Oh, got um, a proposal? 
This podcast is uh, completely wireless. And as soon as we figure out where Moats hit the wires, we'll be back up and running. Um, but yeah, please remember to rate and review the show. It helps us help people find the show. Um, take care. Uh, be kind. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. She's got a way about her. Don't know what it is. But I know that I can't live without her. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.